0: Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. I mean, I don't know if there is or not. I don't know. I, I never thought about it. You know, maybe I'm off, but I
1: don't know. Nothing comes
0: to the forefront of my mind. You don't call the sinners? I, I never thought about it, but I probably don't.
1: Give us some men who know the truth and who will declare the truth and who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God and unto
0: salvation. It's time for Wretched Radio. With Todd Frio.
2: Welcome in, welcome in to another Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio as Todd and team are out on campus at Kennesaw State University. And before we head out and check in with them, I wanted to take a brief moment to ask you for a favor. If Witness Wednesday has ever been a benefit to you, if you have been able to pick up things over the years that help you along the way in your witness encounters, I would like to ask you to take a moment to visit wretched.org donate and consider becoming a gospel partner. Honestly, it is through the efforts of our gospel partners that Witness Wednesday is even possible. So would you do me that favor and prayerfully consider becoming a Wretched gospel partner? Okay, so thank you for allowing me that moment. Now, let's get out to the campus of Kennesaw State University and check in with Todd.
1: It is a good thing that we found Christopher because he's studying to become a nurse. And I've got this thing with my shoulder. Can you fix that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. You're not a chiropractor. Don't touch me. Christopher, nice to meet you.
3: Thank you for doing this. You know what today is, don't you? Uh, Yes, I was just recently told it is uh, 420. And what does that mean? I don't know the official title but I know it has to do with the weed. <laughs> That's
1: exactly right. It is a celebration of the use of medi- of of recreational marijuana. That's it's a celebration. Question for you Christopher. Do you believe from whatever your worldview is, your perspective that it is good to celebrate the use of recreational marijuana? Not
3: recreational, no. Why? I think that from my worldview, um, I think that medical marijuana has a lot of beneficial uses. It's very helpful, um, to people who have a lot of medical conditions. Um, but if we look at recreational marijuana and just my uncle's experience in Colorado and seeing, um, kind of the effects, um, people just don't work very hard. Um, industry slows down, um, I've worked a lot in the service industry, and it's just kind of going down the tubes. It's not fast food anymore when people are celebrating 420.
1: All right. But my question for you, though, Christopher, I want to press in on your worldview. Why is that a problem? So people don't work as fast. Maybe they don't make as much money. They enjoy themselves. What about your worldview says, you know what? That's just not a good justification
3: for recreational marijuana. I don't think usually I usually I say words out loud and then then I find out if I believe them. Um, it goes out the mouth in the ear. And then I think about it. You know, we've we've all got processing issues. That's yours. So speak the words and let's see how it sounds. Let's see. Um, I don't think that when people use marijuana, it's uh, as recreational uh, for use. It's as a way to avoid or distract ourselves from our own problems. Um, At least that's been what I've seen. Um, And I don't think that's that's healthy. I don't think that that is beneficial. And I come from a Christian perspective. And I don't think that that God wants us to just run from our problems. I think he wants to lean into those. And I think that recreational marijuana is just a way to avoid that. And there are different ways that people avoid problems. Uh, there's alcohol, there's marijuana, there's video games, there's porn, there's a ton of different ways. And it depends on how we use them. And I don't think I don't think those things are necessarily they they can be all right, I suppose. Even porn? Well, that one I'm going to say no. Uh, so that's where I say that went into your ear and decided not, that wouldn't be a good thing that correct. Correct. Uh, that one, I think I can ubiquitously say is no, um, not beneficial to society, to people, alcohol. I think there's some flexibility there, but marijuana, I haven't, I'm I'm not totally sure, but I don't, I don't believe so. I want to dig deeper into your Christian
1: worldview. You believe that it's not beneficial. You use the word beneficial. It's not good for people. And that that is, that is some sort of a rendering of a moral verdict about what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong. How do you as a Christian find yourself able to say to me, pretty much a complete stranger, marijuana, recreational marijuana is wrong or it is not
3: good? How do you do that from your worldview? I would say I haven't concretely said it's wrong i think and i would only say that because i haven't put much thought into it i think the way that i come to see life has been very black and white of good bad and without justifying certain actions i think that there's a little more nuance to it for me i think it starts with if i do something and i'm like that just deep in my gut i know i'm like that's not That doesn't sound right. And to me, that is, um, as far as there's the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit um, convicting me and saying, "Nope, Christopher, we don't want you doing this. Let me see if this sounds reasonable to
1: you. If you and I are driving out on a country road and we're just tearing it up and there is just... Dust flying off of the street. It is a country road, and we are just roaring through. And there are no signs anyplace. No speed signs, no stop signs, no yield signs. And a farmer from the distance yells at us, slow down, you punks. He's determined that we're going too fast. But the question is, are we going too fast down that country road with no signs? And I think the answer to that would be, no, we're not his opinion is we're going too fast, but there is no authority that has determined going that fast is wrong. And what I'd like to do for a second, Christopher, is reason with you backwards. If you and I can look at the world and make some observations and clearly state those things are wrong, the only way that we can do that is if there is some sort of moral authority that has determined what is right or wrong. Otherwise, Things like marijuana or pornography, for that matter, or rape or beating up small children, murder, would merely be our opinion or our preference. But because you and I, there's something inside of us that knows, you know, those things are wrong in all places, at all times. That tells me there must be some sort of a moral law giver. Therefore, I intuit from morality
3: that god exists your response to that i think what you're getting at is truth with a capital t which to me truth is immutable there is no your truth my truth it, it can't be different people's perspective of it can be different i think
1: okay i have to tell you you're very weird because that is not normal for somebody your age to say that i uh have thought about thought a lot about it But you know that you are living in a postmodern world and that statement would trigger somebody and be found offensive that you believe that there is actually truth with a capital T as opposed to a
3: small t truth. I think when I've talked with people, people who believe in small t truth, I have mentioned to them, I've said, okay, so you have your truth and you think that you have an idea of what is right and wrong. And we can either press into the, well, how did you get to there? Um, Which usually amounts to them circling back to something. Or I can just voice, and I've done this once, the Nazis had their truth. You can't contradict them. No, that's their truth. And then they say, I've had one guy say, nothing, just kind of been stumped. We were stuck in a car ride, though, so he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, Yeah, but
1: I'm, I'm tracking with you. If society even gets together and determines gas camps, gas chambers are good to put for Jewish people or for black people or for gay people, Uh, despite their moral or their majority vote, we know it's still wrong. So would you say then, Christopher, you, you come up with your opinions and values not based on either your logic or reason, but based on what you think your God instructs? Is that a fair summation? I would
3: say yes. Um, I think as it relates to weed, I think that's, I look for in the Bible. What does it say? And here's where I haven't done a whole lot of research, but I'm pretty sure the Bible doesn't clearly mention marijuana. Um, And so that's where I kind of want to figure out the digging more. All right. So now here's where I'd like to go with you,
1: Christopher. You've made it clear without being asked that you're a Christian that you believe, I presume, in God and the Bible. You mentioned the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You don't know me, but let's just say I walked up here, sat down next to you and said, Christopher, I would like you to persuade me, giving you full permission to say whatever you think is necessary. I won't be offended. I want you to persuade me to become
3: a Christian. Go. I'd ask you first where you find your meaning in life, where you find your source of joy. So antithetical to the way I work. And then I'd, but I'd ask where your source of joy is. And then I'd ask if I can share the gospel with you. I've got plenty of joy, but okay. Not just plenty of joy, but like where? Where do you? Wife,
1: kids, nice meals, trips, find a lot of joy. I'm
3: content. It's a difficult question. <laughs> I think if I were to continue from there, I would just move into the gospel.
2: Right. Well, how will Christopher, the rather abnormal Christian college student, continue to evangelize, Todd? Stay with us. We'll find out next. This is Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. We've been telling you for well over a year that our newest production, Transformed, would be coming soon. We can finally say that season one of Transformed is available now at wretched.org and will also be airing on Christian TV networks all over the country. Transformed is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll have the opportunity to be a fly on the wall and witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people that struggle with OCD, substance abuse, grief, self-harm, anxiety, pain, lack of assurance, and more. You'll be shocked and encouraged at not only the Bible's ability to pinpoint a believer's struggle, but also offer powerful solutions. Not years of weekly visits or the band-aid of medication, but real biblical solutions. With the help of Dr. Greg Gifford and Dr. Dale Johnson, you will witness people go from brokenness to wholeness transformed like nothing else on christian tv and available now at wretched.org and don't forget the study guide that's wretched.org let's
1: visit a pre-born life center in action look at
4: that baby abortion pill reversal actually works That's a beating heart. Look how small it
2: is.
1: Tell me, that doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched twenty-eight dollars purchases a free ultrasound. For a mommy who will choose life, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org
2: slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. So what do you get when you mix a group of Gen Z college students and a group of biblical experts together with 2,000-year-old questions? Well, of course, you get Road Trip to Truth. John Favares has hit the road on a quest to find answers to life's biggest questions like environmentalism, social Darwinism, the deadly impact of pornography, and the dangers of agnosticism. Those are just a few of the topics covered in Season 2 of Road Trip to Truth, which is available now at roadtriptotruth.org. Season one is also available along with study guides for each season and a homeschool curriculum. Road Trip to Truth helps your children better understand questions from the world from a biblical perspective and it will help you learn how to witness more effectively to this generation. So grab your copy of season one and two of Road Trip to Truth at roadtriptotruth.org. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel.
0: Important Dates in Christian History 988 AD After examining several religions, Vladimir, Prince of Kiev, chooses Orthodox Christianity to unify and guide the Russian people. Even after a century of atheistic communist rule, Orthodoxy remains at the core of life in Eastern Europe to this day. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. I think if I were to
3: continue from there, I would just move into the gospel.
2: Welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio while Todd is out on the campus of Kennesaw State University talking currently with Christopher, a very pre-modern Christian college student which is a rare find these days. And just before the break, Christopher was in the midst of evangelizing Todd. So let's listen in and see how the rest of this conversation plays out.
3: Go. It's God loves us. He created every single one of us. He created you. He created your wife and your kids. And he knows you better than you know you. But sin came into the world and it divided us from God. And it's a division that I cannot cross that you cannot cross, that your kids will never be able to cross. And God knew that. And so he sent a son, Jesus to die a horrible and brutal death on the cross for our sins. And then to move from death and then through it to be resurrected, to defeat death and say, death is no more. And I want to have a relationship with you. And it's that belief that can help ground me when I'm full of joy, but also depressed lonely uh, because we all go through seasons in life where that happens um, but I want to go into nursing school as well and it's something where following Christ I don't want to just have a cul-de-sac a job um, or a job where I live in you know a nice cul-de-sac with my family and four kids that's a nice life it's great but just because life is content doesn't mean life is good and I've found that even when life is good, that it can still be empty. Um, and Christ brings that. And that's my experience. And I hope that uh, something I said rings for you. All right. So let me respond again. I
1: actually really, really dig living in a cul-de-sac. Great neighbors, great backyard barbecues. It is so good. I I'm glad you found your thing but I've already got my joy and contentment. So I guess I'm not quite interested yet. I, I don't know. I think you do know the answer to that conundrum. Maybe it just
3: needs to rattle around a bit, but I do think you know it. Let's start from how I normally work, which is I interact with someone on campus and I hang out with them. and I'm their friend and I'm not trying to just convert them. And one day I'm like, hey, man, do we have a spiritual conversation um, or they bring it up. That's normally how I work. It's very I, when I'm talking to people, it's very difficult. I think especially in America, it's very um, it's very difficult to convince somebody of their need for God or savior, because a lot of people live in cul-de-sacs
1: and life is good. Let me suggest this, Christopher. The issue in Christianity is not an issue of joy or fulfillment or purpose or happiness. It's not the issue. The issue is righteousness and holiness and justice. See, I think you know the answer to this,
3: right? Where we've, I, I said joy, and now, now I'm like, oh, joy was the wrong track. Yeah. <laughs> I said it, and then we have thought about it. So
1: the issue, because I can be completely content and die a happy death, having lived a well-lived life, but that does not solve my sin problem. That doesn't resolve my lack of righteousness that I would have for God. And if justice is indeed a concept that we recognize as something that is universal and even eternal, I don't have any way to stand before a holy God and be found just.
3: I think that's the issue, rather than contentment and fulfillment. So then what would you say to the person though who doesn't believe that they're doing anything wrong? That's that's very true. Here's what the Bible tells me, that our
1: conscience, Romans chapter two, says that our conscience, that the law of God is written on our hearts. Our consciences bear witness. We just have an internal sense of right and wrong. It's built into our noggins we know that certain things are wrong. And then Paul said that the law of God brings about the knowledge of sin. It silences the mouth and it brings the whole world guilty before God, like a schoolmaster that would grab a petulant child by the ear and bring him to his desk to do his lessons. That's what the law of God accomplishes. Paul said, I had not known sin, but by the law. So to help people understand their law breaking, we need to open up the moral laws of God. And Paul actually did that in Romans chapter two without being offensive. Because if I walk up to somebody and go, so um, you ever beat anybody up? You're bad. Um, Did you ever lie? You're terrible. Did you ever? That's just accusatory. And Paul doesn't do that. Instead, he asks questions. So if I were going to try to persuade somebody that they were a sinner, I would ask questions like, Christopher, have you ever told lies? Yes. So what would that make you if you tell lies?
3: Oh, that would make me a liar.
1: Ever stolen anything? Yes. And that would make you a? A thief. Correct, sir. Thank you for not saying stealer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have you ever looked with lust? Yes. Yes. Jesus said that's adultery of the heart. So here's what we got, Christopher. Uh, the two of us sitting here are lying, thieving, adulterers at heart. Let's not forget, hitting your brother is murder, so I'll murder. Well done. Well played. Thanks for helping me to persuade you that you're a sinner. By asking questions, we're not accusing. We're just helping the individual understand what they really know inside to awaken their conscience so that they see their need for a savior does a christian get joy and happiness and fulfillment and contentment and purpose absolutely but those are ancillary those are those are effects or benefits of the gospel the gospel boiled down is jesus died for sinners that's the issue the benefits the results include those things but if we offer the benefits to the individual, they're going to come for the wrong reason. They're going to come seeking the benefits and not the provider of those good gifts. And they're going to miss what salvation is really about, coming to Jesus Christ because he's the savior of your soul. That would be how I might make the issue about righteousness and justice and bring about the knowledge of sin. That is uh, well-practiced. Done it before, I figured. (laughs) (laughs) You should have heard me the first time. It was a dog's breakfast. It was a complete hash. But what really helps, though, if you're trying to share your faith with somebody, is if you just remember the gospel is really about forgiveness of sins, to lovingly come alongside of somebody and help them to understand you're just like them. You're a sinner, too, in need of the same gift of grace and mercy. And God provides it in his son. It just kind of keeps you on track and doesn't make the issue the wrong thing. So last question for you we got a theological exam going on now, Christopher. I'm that stranger again, sitting on the chair next to you, and I agreed with you. You're right. I'm, I'm a sinner. I get that. What must I do to be forgiven? That word do is,
3: you put emphasis on it. <laughs> what must happen for me to be forgiven? I think we can go for the, oh, you just need to pray a sinner's prayer, but it's Saying those words doesn't make you uh, absolved of sin. It's the understanding of the need of a savior. People, people in Papua New Guinea with no idea of the sinner's prayer can do the same thing. And it's an understanding of the need of a savior to help. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. I need forgiveness.
1: How does it happen? You said it's not enough to just recite some form of a prayer. What is it then? it's having a relationship with
3: Jesus Christ. Okay. How does that happen? And I know, you know, the answer to this. And here's where I want to like, it's not just saying words of a prayer, but praying is beneficial. And so I would start with prayer, um, and going and praying, Lord, I need you. I need you to come into my life. I need you to do, uh, what I cannot, um, help me to not be, uh, liar, thief, adulterer, murderer. And I think it starts there and reading the Bible, but it's, it's more than just the actions of reading every day and for five minutes. Like that's not the heart behind it. I think God wants the heart. He doesn't want the actions. And um, I think that's, it's one of the Psalms um, 51. I think is uh, David's just sinned. And he says, I know you don't want sacrifices. You want a broken and contrite heart. And that, I think, is what we start with. We offer that.
1: How's about summation? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but I I, I applaud
1: that distinction about what belief is. It's not just kind of mumbling some words as if it's some sort of code to get into the kingdom. It's more of a dying to self and putting your trust in Jesus Christ, like you'd put your trust on a parachute. You don't just say a prayer to the parachute, you put it on and you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh. You believe in him with your being as opposed to mere mental assent. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You
2: know, of course this is Witness Wednesday, but these encounters with Christians like Christopher are just as vital for us to hear as the encounters with unbelievers. We have the opportunity to listen to two believers speak and sharpen one another. We learn and grow as they, too, learn and grow. But this chat with Todd and Christopher, it's not over yet. We have more coming up next. It's Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start by checking in with the latest Disney news today. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced Tuesday that there is current consideration by Florida lawmakers to terminate Disney's Reedy Creek Improvement District, which is a 50-year-old special statute that makes Disney exempt from laws faced by regular Floridians. State Representative Randy Fine filed the bill and reminded Disney that they are guests in the state of Florida, and this will certainly add fuel to the fire of the fight between Disney and the Florida lawmakers over the parental rights and education bill. Disney has been vocally opposed to protecting four to eight-year-olds from teachers teaching them sexual things, and they are facing quite the backlash for their stance. And speaking of Florida teachers of the Parental Rights and Education Bill, White House Press Secretary Jen Saki recently got super emotional over the bill.
4: Uh, I'm going to get emotional about this issue because it's
2: just, it's horrible. Saki is tearful and she's upset. She's torn up because kindergartners in Florida can't be brainwashed by teachers teaching them about homosexuality and transgenderism. Does keeping children innocent and protected really upset you to the point of tears? Apparently so the school library journal which is a very liberal public school resource well they've released a list of books that they're recommending be removed from summer reading lists number one on their list of books that should be removed to kill a mockingbird to kill a mockingbird is a classic and it's probably the most classic anti-racism book but hey, look, the School Library Journal, they're not the type of place that's going to recommend books for removal without also recommending their replacements. I and mean, what kind of outfit do you think they are? To Kill a Mockingbird? Gone. The Great Gatsby? Gone. In Their Place? The New Kid by Jerry Craft. And The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Those are just two recommendations, and they are really two masterful works of division and anti-unity. And a new report from Nigeria details a series of attacks that were carried out by Fulani herdsmen during Holy Week. Eight Christian girls were abducted on Good Friday, with four of the eight later released after herdsmen received a $2,000 ransom. In another attack, a 38 year old Christian farmer was shot when his village was swarmed. The farmer suffered a serious wound in his leg, but his brother, a minister, was murdered. And another pastor in another nearby village was murdered in his home. The pastor's wife says her husband was targeted by the herdsmen because he is Christian. But murdering her husband wasn't all the herdsmen did. They destroyed the couple's home, they destroyed the couple's church, and they stole 38 cows from them. As we tell you frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you are fervently and continuously praying for all of our Christian brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio, it's straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Books of the Bible The prophet Jeremiah preached judgment and repentance to Judah for more than 40 years. He was mocked, beaten, and imprisoned. But in the end, God's judgment came upon Judah. When you hold fast to the word of God, you will be heartbroken, mocked, and even persecuted. But let Jeremiah remind you that every word of God will prove true. This is Wretched Radio
2: with Todd Friel. Welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio while Todd and the team are out on campus at Kennesaw State University where Todd has been having a nice chat with the pre-modern Christian college student, Christopher And they aren't finished chatting just yet. Let's get back out to the campus now. Can
1: we go back to Papua New Guinea for a minute? Sure. I just threw that out. It's okay. I want to ask a qualifying question if you'd let me. And thanks for your patience. You said that somebody in Papua New Guinea who's never heard of the sinner's prayer, that they can get this too.
3: What exactly did you mean by that? Well, if you said the law is written on our consciences and hearts, I think Paul also says that men are without excuse that we can be aware of a Savior without knowing the right words. What about knowing the right God? That, I think, is kind of the qualifier. I
1: well, that was that was kind of my question, because it made it sound like somebody maybe can't hear that Jesus died for sinners, and if they just call out to whatever it is that they know that they could be forgiven too. And that would be much more of a universalist position than it would be a strictly Christian position. Pe- position that there's only access to the father through jesus the son and if you don't know the son you don't know the father if you didn't know the name of the son but you believed in the Son, would that still be christianity are you to, we're, we're not talking about the big yellow orb in the sky we're talking about the sun okay i just wanted to make sorry okay sorry no that's right i just didn't i wanted to clarify i i think that uh, whosoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved that you do need to hear about jesus christ to understand his death, his burial, his resurrection, so that you can put your trust in him. And the question that that brings up is then, man, what about all of those people who haven't heard about Jesus? There they are. Can't they just grope their way there without him? And I think the answer to the question is, no, they can't. But in truth, they don't actually respond to the calling of their conscience. God is preaching, I think, in several ways through creation, testifying that he exists through their conscience. He's also just embedded a knowledge that he exists in every human being, that there is a knowledge of God in all of us. But they have to be introduced to Jesus Christ. And without that, they can't be saved. That would be
3: my take. Agree? I'm trying to think if it'd be possible to know about Jesus Christ without having been told. Just taking with the Papua New Guinea example. And so, yeah, I'd, I think I'd agree. I would say, have, have you read C.S. Lewis? Which one? Well, he's
1: written a lot. Chronicles of Narnia. I've seen the movie. I've read Mere Christianity, Screw Tape Letters. I think that's about it.
3: Okay. Um, well, in the Chronicles of Narnia, in the last book, The Last Battle, there's this story where there's the followers of Aslan, which is denoted as god, uh, and then there's the followers of this god, Tash, uh, who's the demon. And at the end, there is this moment where these people have, they've been following Aslan by name, but they have been doing the works of Tash. And there's this one guy who has been following Tash by name, but doing the works of Aslan. And C.S. Lewis writes something that I found very interesting. He says, everyone who does something in Tash's name, but does it for me, they've done it for me. Um, and vice versa. And so, it's something that I wrestle with or that I think with, think about because what if someone has not heard the exact words Jesus Christ, but they know that God sent someone to die for them.
1: To address C.S. Lewis in The Chronicles of Narnia, um, he was pretty widely critiqued for that presentation because There's two issues that I think are problematic with it biblically. One is it does prevent a universalist approach that somebody can believe in God without actually knowing who God is, which every missionary who ever lived would disagree with. That's why they go to Papua New Guinea is to bring the good news to people. Second, in that instance, the issue that is being revealed is the issue, again, of righteousness and holiness. I cannot do anything good for Aslan. I cannot do anything good for God. My problem is I can't appease or please him. I'm actually, the Bible puts us in two camps, two categories. You're a kingdom of darkness. You're a kingdom of light. You are either a follower of Jesus Christ or you are in bondage to Satan. Those are the two. You worship one or the other. You're not kind of trying to. You're not sort of, and you can't do anything that might appease God. When you're in the kingdom of Satan, because everything we do is offered from dirty hands. Therefore, if the if the message that C. S. Lewis was trying to send was that somehow an individual who doesn't know Jesus can still please Jesus because he's trying kind of hard, it fails to recognize that the person actually does not have any good deeds to bring before God. He's unrighteous and he needs forgiveness. So that's that's a that's a problem with that particular presentation. And I grant you, Christopher, it is really hard for us to go, whoa, there's people who have never heard the name of the Lord who can't be saved unless they hear his name. And so the way that I kind of settle and rest in that is they're already being preached at and not responding to their conscience. Here's, here's what people do typically on Papua New Guinea. They create a system They know something's off. So that's their conscience. They look around and they go, somebody had to, there has to be something bigger than just somebody had to do this stuff. So they get that much. And I feel guilty. I'm going to figure out a way to appease that God. And so they build some sort of a work righteous system where they bring offerings. They bring a sacrifice to the God that they make up in their own mind. Jeremiah talks about it. Isaiah talks about it. And the psalmist was pretty scathing when They described that. So imagine this is an individual who cuts down a tree, takes a piece of wood that can't make its way to the workbench where he carves an idol out of it. And then he uses the rest of the wood to make a fire to make himself a sandwich. But then he has to carry his God to an altar where it can then be worshipped. It's a stump. It's a block of wood. And the people who pursue that become just like them. It's foolishness to think that I can create a deity and somehow satisfy the deity that I've created for myself. It's just foolishness. So the work righteous systems are concocted all over the globe, and that's really, in a sense, what Hinduism does, Buddhism does, Islam certainly does. Most Jews think that way. We're going to do we will do things to appease God. That's why the message of Christianity, it's so important we are on on point with it. No, 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 you can't please God. Jesus did. He's your sacrifice. You surrender your system. You believe in him and his system, and you'll be saved. Without it, you won't. So when I think about those people, I know that God is good. But I also know that they're not reacting rightly to the sermon he's already preaching, which tells me even if I came and preached Christ to them, that they wouldn't be awakened to that because they're not responding to creation and conscience. Is that 100% satisfying? Well, keeping in mind that God is good and that he does what is right and he does give people an opportunity and he does tell us to go and make disciples. So there's some burden on us to bring that good news. I, I can rest in that. That was longer than you're supposed to be able to pay attention to. Do you know that? I I followed. I tracked. You know what really bugs me about your generation is how much my generation thinks so little of your generation. That actually bugs me. Speak more on that. Well, actually, I happen to be a fan of your generation uh, because right now the guys who are standing behind the camera are all pretty much your generation. And I've had to work with them now for a number of years and watch them. And do they process the world a little bit differently than I do? A little bit. Do they have different ethics to a degree they do? And so we find ourselves, I think, being a little bit um at odds on some of those issues. And that can be frustrating. But then when I look at the things that they possess that I don't, and if I'm smart, I'm gonna recognize they actually do a lot of stuff that is super cool that my generation really doesn't do, then I can admire that, appreciate that. And together you can teach me stuff and maybe I can teach you some stuff and we get better together because I actually think there's a lot about your generation that is
3: really, really good. It's good to have a wide variety of ages that you interact with because I can learn a lot from people of my generation, but I can learn a lot from people of my grandparents' generation too. Well, again, you're weird. (laughs) because that's not the tune that you're supposed to have sorry um everyone who's older than me is dumb
1: yeah well that's and then and my generation says you punks don't know anything and you're snowflakes which is a term i really do not like
3: why do you not like that term
1: it's pejorative it is so degrading you're like you tender little thing you're just gonna melt oh yeah okay I, i just don't like it i throw it off
3: Brush the snowflake off.
1: Good on you. But nevertheless, I just don't think it should be put on your shoulder anyway, because you know what? Okay, I felt that way all along. But when I hear then your generation called my generation, Karen, it's sort of the same thing. It's like, okay,
3: come on, hold it. Not fair. I guess so. I work at a brewery and uh, we actually have a beer called Karen from next door. (laughs) There you have it. All right, dude,
1: thanks for the chat. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for being um, level headed. And thanks for being willing to actually bring up your Christian faith without really being asked and for your desire to go into a field to help people is really stellar. And I'm glad I met you today.
2: Hmm. So Todd doesn't like to be called a Karen. You learn new information every day. That's nice to know. It really is nice to know. Okay. well, hey, what a great and encouraging conversation we just had the opportunity to eavesdrop on And we're not quite finished. We have even more Witness Wednesday coming up. This is Wretched Radio.
1: There are brothers and sisters in Ukraine who could use your help right now. Max, the Tomorrow Club's leader in Ukraine, visited us on the telephone to share the need that many believers in eastern Ukraine currently have.
0: Our focus was children evangelism. And right now, we have to walk away from that and really serve those families we had to escape. Our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West trying to meet the needs of those families, it's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial
1: pretty unlikely that you can visit ukraine to help those brothers and sisters but there are hands and feet on the ground the tomorrow club leaders helping out brothers and sisters in need in ukraine to learn more about how you can help and support the tomorrow clubs who we hope will quickly return to children evangelism learn more at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched tomorrowclubs.org wretched
2: I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org donate, or you can text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Confession,
1: normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared Bible.
0: Attributes of God. Aseety is the word for God's self-existence. Nobody made God. God is the unmoved mover who causes all other things to be. All things depend on God for their continued existence. God does not need his creation. He chose to create us to glorify him and enjoy him forever. This is Wretched
2: Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back with more Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Todd and the team still roaming around the campus of Kennesaw State University. So let's check back in with them now. There is no chance I'm going to forget this lady's
1: name because it's actually on your jewelry. Thank you for that. That makes life easy. Where are you from, Ashanti?
4: we're oh, in Georgia.
1: What are you... Studying here?
4: Uh, exercise science.
1: Exercise science. So, doing something in the sports industry, working with people to help them feel better?
4: Uh, physical therapy. And I kind of want to open my own practice and everything.
1: Okay, so you grew up in the South. This is the Bible Belt of America. Did you grow up as a Bible belter in a Christian home? Yes. What kind?
4: We were Catholic at first, but then we went to Christianity.
1: That's so. <laughs> <laughs> so funny you put it that way, because Catholics claim to be christians but there's there's a big difference what do you what do you think the difference is between catholics and christians
4: i feel like catholic is more strict and christian is like more free-flowing and transparent
1: that's pretty accurate do you think there's any other differences
4: like in my church we tell we're transparent we tell the truth how it is and how life and reality and how the world works and everything so
1: is christianity not strict
4: Um, in a way, depending on like the 10 commandments really. So I would say that's the strict part about it.
1: So Ashanti, the difference between Catholic and Christianity, you ready for two, two strange words? Here's, here's what I think it is. Catholicism teaches something called infused righteousness, where they basically would say it's basically like we're going to We're going to baptize you as an infant, and you're going to be righteous. That act, that ceremony is going to make you righteous. And then you spend the rest of your life maintaining that righteousness and doing good deeds. And if you ever goof up, confess it. You'll have to do penance for it. You have to get last rites. But you basically have to keep yourself in good standing with God. It's called infused righteousness. You tracking with me? Uh, I'm just telling you that's what they teach. I'm not saying that's what you should believe. I'm just saying that's what they teach.
4: That's not like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that.
1: I'm in that camp too. That's what I think they do. I think you're right.
4: Yeah, God forgives our sins and everything. So it's like everybody's not perfect anyway.
1: So... No, I, I agree with you because what I described, I think it was accurate. You rightly summarized it and said, man, that's a lot of work, yeah. right? I agree with you. That's a works system. Christianity is a grace-based system. Forgiveness of sins. And even though we do keep sinning, we're still forgiven because God is that good. Yeah, that's 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 my belief too. So tell me, in your opinion, Ashanti, how does somebody become a Christian?
4: I just feel like you have to believe, really. I believe that at seven years old, and, you know, I got baptized and everything. It was like, yeah. I just feel like you have to believe and, like, give yourself to God and trust that, you know, He'll do anything in His power to set you on your path in life.
1: I think believing in God is the exact right thing that we're supposed to be doing. So tell me, do you think people who don't believe the way that you do are wrong?
4: No. Everybody has their opinions and facts, so that's if that's their opinion, that's their opinion, we can still share the same, you know, land and society.
1: I believe we can definitely get along with each other, even though we disagree. But shouldn't we also, even if we're, like, agreeing to disagree, shouldn't we be thinking if you don't believe in Jesus, then you'd be wrong? Mm. don't have to be snooty about it, but if we believe that Jesus is right, wouldn't that automatically mean other religions are wrong?
4: No, not really. Because everybody has their different faiths, different gods, so I just feel like if that's how they show their religion their worship to that god, that's how... They should do it rather than, you know, everybody just not liking each other because of an the opinion they have. So
1: But do you do you think that we can still like somebody and disagree with them? Yeah. I do I do too, that I can disagree with somebody, but that doesn't mean we have to hate each other, right? So from my perspective, Ashanti, I would say that if Jesus Christ really lived, really died to forgive us of our sins, really rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven and that he really said, I am the way, I am the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. If that's actually true, then that would mean every other religious system is false.
4: I don't think everybody's religion is
1: false. So you would say that an individual can believe pretty much whatever they want and it's true.
4: Depending on how, if you want to practice that, like if that's what you want to transition to, that's you know, your belief. It's not mine. So
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I can't I can't make anybody believe anything. But I can still lovingly say, I disagree with you. I think you're wrong. I think this is the truth. And we don't impose our views on people. But it's really more loving to say you're wrong, especially if we think that they're in danger of being judged by God, being found guilty. They need Jesus. So it's a loving thing to say, let me tell you why I think Jesus is the truth. And I can do that in a way that isn't off putting or offensive, and we can still get along, right?
4: I agree. We can also get along. No matter, like, if we have disagreements or everything, like politics, religion, we can also get along.
1: Doesn't seem like we do these days, though, does it?
4: No, not really.
1: <laughs> do you think the country is, like, more divided than it used to be?
4: It is. But some of us are trying to come together, but, you know, it's always those people trailing back. Trying to be like, oh, we should be peaceful and unite together.
1: Can I share a way out there thought for you with you, and you tell me what you think of this? All right, you're a different skin color than I am. I'm different than yours. What's the difference between us besides skin color? Um, you're a girl. I'm a boy. Yeah. There's that.
4: Maybe like the background. From where we both came from. I would say that's a different.
1: We had different life experiences, different parents, of course, but we're both humans, Mm -hmm. right? From a Christian standpoint, do you know why we have different skin colors?
4: I really don't know why.
1: It's really cool because there's different skin colors. God scattered people at the Tower of Babel, if you remember that story. And those people went to different places with different languages and some had more melanin some had less. And so we kind of develop different skin shades. But there's a reason for it. And here's what I think it is. When we look at relationships between different ethnic groups, there's just a history of us not getting along. We just, we fight, we oppress, we do cruel things, we think we're better than. And as hard as we try to bridge that divide, it doesn't seem like we can get it done. It just seems there's you know, there's just something that keeps us sometimes at war with one another just because of skin color or shape of the eye. And then we read at the end of the Bible that when God gathers all of his children together, it's just going to be a sea of color. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every skin color, male, female, rich, poor, and he is going to demonstrate I'm the one who can bring everybody together. You guys, you couldn't bring yourselves together, but I can because I bring everybody into my kingdom who repents and puts their trust in me. So we should continue to try to get along. But as Christians, we can look at it and go, God is going to bring us together. God will ultimately bring his children together. And he's going to demonstrate we couldn't get it done, but he could. That's what I think the purpose of different skin colors is. Thoughts?
4: I could see that. makes sense. I mean, God did create us all different, so I could see that.
1: And if you're a Christian and I'm a Christian, then I'm not seeing skin color. As what I'm just seeing you as a sister in Christ. And we get along swell because we've got something in common that's above both of us. So I think one of the best ways that the racial problem could be dealt with, if everybody believed in Jesus, we were all in the same family, we'd all get along a whole lot better, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but maybe not.
4: Yeah, I don't think so. We all get along around Christianity. Don't think so. Mm, because people, you know, they have their own religion already. So it's like, why take that away from me? And we could still be a unit in society. So not really. It's a yes and a no.
1: Okay. So yeah. See, I kind of, I kind of think it does because we realize. Really, the only difference between you've got more melanin than I have. That's it. But we're made in God's image. And if we're in God's family together, then you and I are brothers and sisters, and I should be loving you and trying to serve you and certainly not hating you because of a different skin color. That's just not Christian. So I'm of the opinion that Jesus actually can bring warring factions together because we set down our arms, we set down our prejudices, we set down our bad attitudes, our condescending attitudes, and we see each other just as forgiven sinners in God's family. So I, I, I kind of think that that can be a unifier that's greater than, well, pretty much everything else we've tried. Yeah. It's, it's sort of. All right. Hey, thank you for chatting with me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ashanti.
2: Well, we certainly heard both ends of the spectrum today from a very pre-modern to a very post-modern thinker. I'm telling you, post-modernism is a very dangerous strategy that is being used by the enemy. It is a restrainer because it convinces some Christians that evangelism isn't necessary. Your truth is your truth, and if it works for you, great, who am I to judge? But Jesus says that He is truth, and there is only one way to the Father, and it is through Him and by Him. So do not get fooled and sucked in by postmodernism. Truth is truth, whether you choose to believe it or not. Okay, well, another Witness Wednesday in the books. Hope you'll join us again for more Witness Wednesday next week. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.